are listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Good morning, Oasis Church. Doesn't sound like they're awake yet. Good morning, Oasis Church. I know you're awake. I heard you praise. Woo! My name is Charlie Bagley, and my wife and I have the opportunity to serve to help set up communion. Uh, We take our rotation in the uh, prayer ministry, and I have the special blessing of being able to uh, share the word of the Lord at the mission on Fridays, which is a real blessing. Today I will be reading 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. This is the word of the Lord. You know, when I asked Charlie to, uh, to read this morning, I wasn't thinking about the songs we were going to sing. I came down this morning, I thought, you know, there's a chance that he might just stay up here and just preach it out, you know. <laughs> Charlie's a preacher. You know, I thought, well, that was kind of dangerous, I would imagine. But now we love Charlie and Luann. They're a, a great blessing to us. Pray. Can I, can I share what y'all are praying about? Can I, can I share with that? So, you know, Charlie's, he's a, he's a pastor at heart, and he's always looking for opportunities to pastor. And uh, he's been out of the pastorate for a little while. And uh, so he's He's praying that, you know, if God still has a place for him to serve in that respect, that he would open that door because Charlie's ready to step into that door if that's God's will. So as you're praying for one another and you're praying for, you know, those that you know, then uh, consider praying for the Bagleys that uh, God will continue to lead them and and the place that they need to be. Uh, We will be sad to ever see them go, but man, to to go and and proclaim the word, that would be a, a blessing to be able to send. So just keep that in mind. As we're studying, if you're visiting with us, glad to have you. You should have gotten a card when you came in. You know, if you're a first-time visitor, make sure you fill that thing out. And then as you go out, if you'll, if you'll take that door instead of that door. Don't worry. There'll be an offering plate on that side too. But if you take that door going out, then there's blue bags over there. We don't want your money. We want the card. We want you to put the card in the plate and then grab one of those blue, uh, blue bags over there because that's uh, our gift to you to just say thank you for being here and to remind you that we do this every week. And if what you see in here resonates with you today, then I can promise you that's what you'll get pretty much every week that you're here. Come back and be with us anytime you can. We're studying Second Peter. Second Peter, we've discovered, is... Almost like a last 
will, if you will, for the Apostle Peter. He sees his execution on the horizon. He, he knows either he's in custody or he knows that, that Nero is bearing down and he's grabbing everyone he can grab for his own sport and pleasure. And he knows that as, a, as one of the original, those that were with Christ, that he will be a great find. And knowing that his departure is soon at hand, he's writing down, we believe, as he's already expressed in the first chapter, some things that believers need to, to always keep in the forefront of their mind. If you're going to continue following Jesus, you've got to remember who you are. We learned that in chapter number one. You've got to understand who you are as a child of God and what has been given to you. Peter says, you've been given everything you need for life for following Christ you've got it at your fingertips but it's going to require that you put it to work it's not going to do you any good just in your possession you've got to get up as a follower of Jesus you've got to step into those things that you that he's called us to knowing that he's equipped you fully and completely and you will be able to walk that out through his power by his grace but you're going to have to get up out of the bed and live for Christ for his glory. Then we talked about last week how that Peter shifts and begins to talk about truth and where truth comes from and, 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 and how people are departing from truth following things that aren't so truthful. We argued last week from 2 Peter that God's Word is the truth through which all other truths must filter. Doesn't mean that God's Word contains every truth. There are certainly truths in our existence that we know God's Word doesn't speak to. But we know this, that God's Word is authoritative. It is inspired and inerrant in the original documents. It is God's Word, and it is the truth that we are to follow. So now Peter's going to shift, and you're going to see how he says in verse number 1 of chapter number 2, but, so we're saying, well, what is that shifting but there for? What is it he's shifting away from? Well, he's shifting from what he said about prophecy being God's will leading the prophet to, to write down or to communicate the very things that God wanted to say. And he's going to say, but, and he goes to talking about false teachers. And so we're going to spend a couple of weeks learning about false teachers. Today we're going to learn how to identify error. If you've got the Oasis Church app, you can follow along in our notes identifying error. I got this, uh, it's, it was interesting, I, I got this article emailed to me uh, from Christianity Today. And apparently there is a, a survey that is done by Lifeway and Ligonier Ministries. Uh, they do it, I don't know if they do it here every year, but they do it here and they do it in the UK. And this is the 2022 results of the, of the state of, uh, of uh, what, what is it called? The state of theology is the survey. When those that responded to the survey could click whether they are of a certain religion or if you're a Christian, a certain denomination, how old you are, whether you're evangelical or non-evangelical, wherever you land, they were able to do. And so these results are kind of the broad 
spectrum, but I find the numbers to be very interesting. You see, this is, this is respondents of folks that are, that are claiming to hold to the truth. And we're seeing a departure from things that, are, that have been solidly Christian orthodox, and we're beginning to lean away from these truths. Number one that they shared, 56% of those that would say they are under the Christian umbrella say that, they, uh, that Jesus is not the only way to God. 56% of people that claimed to follow Christ believe that there are those that can get to God through other means than Christ. I find that incredibly disturbing. The second one that they cited was that 73% of those that responded believe that Jesus was the first and greatest being created by God. That Jesus is not God the Son, that He is in fact a created being. Well, that's the heresy that goes all the way back to the 4th century and carries the name of Arianism because of its founder, Arius. That Jesus is not an eternal person of the Godhead, but rather He was created. 73% that named Christ. The third one, that Jesus is not God. 43% of those that were listed in this article. Not God, just another prophet. 60% of those surveyed say that the Holy Spirit is not a personal being. He's more like a force. He's not a person, although Trinitarianism clearly states that God is one God. Three distinct what? Persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 60% say that he's more like a force. 57% of those surveyed believe that while everyone sins a little bit, most people are good by nature. A gentleman by the name of uh, Pelagius back in the day brought that idea up. And said that we're born innocent and we're not sinners until we know what we're doing and choose to do so. The founders said, no, 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 no. That's not the way it works. We are born in sin and that's where the whole idea of uh, uh, depravity comes in. Is no, no, we're not born good. Look, you, you, you know... We, we have new babies that are born, and congratulations to the Scoggins. Uh, little Miss Zeta was born last week, all healthy. They may be watching online, so congratulations to them. And we look at these new babies, and we go, oh, they're just so precious. And isn't it just wonderful to look at how innocent they are? No. No. Now, maybe they don't know what they're doing yet, but you give them a little bit of time, they will lie to you. They will steal your stuff. They will, they will do things and blame it on somebody else. You know why? Sin. It, it's not our choice to sin by nature. It is our choice to sin by action. But by nature, we ain't got no choice because we are sinners. People are departing from the truth. And they're proclaiming notions that are true that simply are not if you understand and interpret correctly the biblical record. 
So today we're going to lean on Peter. We're going to let God speak through him and tell us how to identify error. There are false teachers out there, and we need to identify it. First, we're going to see where there's truth, error always will arise. Where there's truth, error always will arise. Look at verse 1. Peter says, even while God was, was carrying on the prophets and leading them, directing their pen to write and to say exactly what he wanted said, at the very same time, there arose false prophets. There were those who rose up and began to communicate messages from the Lord that actually weren't from the Lord. To the point that God had to, through his prophets, communicate through his word how to determine whether a prophet was true or false. They had a test. Why? Because false prophets were popping up all over the place. Not only were the Israelites having to wrestle with the pagan, Canaanite, idolatrous religions that were so seductive to them, they were having to battle against those who claimed to speak from God who actually did not hurt, have a word from God. Peter said not only that, but there will be false teachers who will rise up among you. Now, the whole idea, I think, that Peter's saying here is that, yes, there may be some that show up from the outside that you've never met before, but a lot of these false teachers are going to rise up right in your midst. And that is what the early church in the first centuries really had to deal with. If you know anything about the early church history, you know that they would, from time to time, gather the church leaders in what was called an ecumenical council. They would get together and they would discuss whatever teaching they were hearing out of this particular teacher. I've already mentioned one whose name was Arius, who had a notion that, that Jesus, no, Jesus wasn't eternal. He was created. And the thing is, Arius wasn't trying to be a heretic. He was reading the scripture and hearing words like the firstborn of creation and taking that in a literal sense and going, okay, well, Paul in Colossians is talking about Jesus being the first born of Christ. So he's the first one created. No, no. No, he's supreme over. He has the, the pole position over all creation. He's the technical firstborn, meaning that all the inheritance goes to him and that he distributes as he will because he, as God the Son, is that technical, not the literal and so they would get all the councils together, and they would go, okay, Arius is teaching this. Well, this don't sound right. This don't feel right. What would we do? And they would get together, and they would say, no, 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 that ain't true. Arius, you going to hold to that, or are you going to, that's not right. That's not what the Scripture says. That's not the way we understand it. If he said, no, I'm going to maintain, well, they'd burn him. They'd hang him. They would do ugly things to him as a heretic. But then they would, on the heels of that, they would sit down and go, we, we need to write something about this. Let's get together. Let's make a statement that we can all stand by. And they would write out these statements that we know today, history buffs, they're called what? Creeds. That's where the creeds came from? Yeah. The church battling heresy had to get together and go, no, 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 no. 
That's not what that is. We're going to make a statement out of the Council of Nicaea because Nicaea is where we're meeting and we're going to talk about Jesus being fully man and fully God. So these creeds. Now, not all the creeds hold the same weight and you go, how do you know? You go to seminary, they'll tell you. So at any rate, but that's where they came from and that's how we got the creed because of heresy. Peter said they're coming and they did. And guess what? They're still coming. The heresies, the departures from truth. Of course, we have false religions that we battle. We've got things that have extended from way back in ancient history. False religions like Buddhism and Hinduism that are still very powerful traps in our world today. Many, many millions of people are, are trapped in the prison of Buddhism and Hinduism. A little further along into history, after the teachings of Muhammad, we still have millions of people that are, that are under the shackles of Islam. False religions, worshiping a God other than God Yahweh, Jehovah, that we know is only one God, and there are no others, but many have been led astray by the enemy of our soul to follow after gods that aren't actual gods. So certainly there are false religions, and they are deceiving millions every day. But there are also modern cults that sound like Christianity, but at the end of the day, don't hold biblical water. Things like Jehovah's Witnesses that use very similar terminology. People that follow after the teachings of the Mormon church or the, the Latter-day Saints and all of their multiple spurs of teaching. You say, well, wait, they, they say they're Christian, but they don't follow the same doctrine that Christianity holds as essential and necessary. We've got all kinds of other things like Scientology, the Branch Davidians that we remember from back in the 90s, and, and all of those others. We could, we could name many of these modern-day pop-up religions that, that are, are, are holding to some of what Scripture teaches, but then bringing other things that actually pervert what the Scriptures are teaching and holding them on the same plane. And then within the church, within Christianity, throughout our history, even in this nation, we have had movements that have spurred out of the church that have been completely and totally false. The liberalism of the colonial era that, that claimed that Scripture wasn't entirely God's Word and began to deviate away from those truths. The liberal theology that wrecked places like Harvard and Yale and the other Ivy League schools that you may or may not have known were actually seminary-type schools in their inceptions. But through liberal theology now have come, become bastions of secularism because false teaching comes in. Unitarianism, all roads lead to heaven. Things like the prosperity gospel 
God wants all of His children to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. That is doctrines of demons, people. If that's the truth, God Almighty owes the apostles and the early church one heck of an apology. Because not a lot of them were healthy, wealthy, and many of them did not have happiness like we describe it. We've got to hear and see these false teachings. The one, or I should say the two that are most prominent right now. One is called progressive Christianity. Anybody heard anything about progressive Christianity? Some of you. Let me tell you what progressive Christianity is. It is taking Christianity and making it more tolerant. Opening the door with tolerance because Jesus would tolerate everybody and so therefore we've got to tolerate everything. That's progressive Christianity. Opening the door to all of these cultural changes and nuances. And then the other one that's really wreaking havoc in the, in, in the Christian realm is nationalism. It's not new to our, to our Christianity. It's been around a while, but, but since the most recent presidential races, nationalism has poured nitro to the engine. I mean, we're going down the track at blistering speeds. Holding our flag in one hand and our Bible in the other like modern-day crusaders. And I'm telling you, you read your Bible, God will tell you, I don't root for America come Olympic time. That ain't how I operate. You see, I don't love one nation more than another. I'm not more interested in the things of American Christianity than I am of those that are in the, 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 the shackles of communism and, and dictatorial type regimes. So we got to be careful about the progressing Christianity and the overly nationalistic Christianity. It's false teaching. What scriptures say about these things? Uh, in Matthew 24, Verses 4 through 5, verse 11, verse 24. Jesus talking about the end times, talking about when, the, when, when, when things are coming to a, to a near end. Jesus answered them saying, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Verse 11, Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Verse 24, for false prophets and uh, false Christs and false prophets will rise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. These guys aren't just saying things, they're doing things. Jesus says, you need to perk your ears up and pay attention because that ain't me. I'm me, and anybody else claiming to be me who is a part of, even claiming my name apart from God's Word should be labeled and identified a false teacher. Matthew 7, 15, during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, 
but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Some of you who were uh, children or, or young adults in the 1970s will remember the coyote uh, from the, the Bugs Bunny cartoon slipping on that. He's zipping on that, uh, that sheep outfit. Anyway, that's what I think about when I read that. You know, Jesus identified in the Gospel of Luke that there were some false teachers even amongst the people of Israel. You know what they were called? Scribes. Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law, leaders of the synagogue. You know why Jesus called them false teachers? Because they were twisting God's Word and holding the people accountable to things that were not true. It happened way back then. It happened then. It's happening now. It will continue to happen until Christ returns. And we've got to be able to identify it. We've got to be able to recognize it. Galatians 1.9, Paul says, As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, recorded right here, something contrary to this, let them be accursed. Can't get any stronger than that. Can't get any stronger. There's a, there's a phrase that, that we don't use because it's profane in our culture and in our circle. But that's basically what Paul is saying. Let them be accursed. Why? Because they're teaching the doctrines of demons if they deviate from God's Word. 1 Timothy 4.1 now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and what? Teachings of demons. And in Paul's final address, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, he says, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season. Be ready out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. When the Scripture calls for it, say it. Tell the people what God has said. It is for their good and their growth and their avoidance of danger. With complete patience and teaching, verse 3, for the time is coming. When people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears, but having itching ears will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth. And wander off into myths. People, that time is now. People don't want to hear truth. They want to hear what makes them feel good. They want to hear what excites them and gives them a high on which to face their week. Well, that's not what God's Word always does. Sometimes God's Word intends to cut us deeply so that what is broken within us might be addressed, so that we might walk out stronger and, 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 and more focused and sure-footed in truth and the knowledge of who we are, having all we need to face everything we'll have to face. And Paul gives us uh, what I'm going to say is four ways to identify false teachers. Four ways. Two of them. A little more complicated. The last two, I mean, couldn't get any more simple. The first two, what does he say? 
Just as, verse number one, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Number one, way to recognize error. False teachers hold as true things that are not. False teachers hold things true that are not true. Warren Wiersbe, the Bible teacher, said, False teachers use our vocabulary. They just don't use our dictionary. They use our words. They just don't define them. Adults, are you frustrated with the slang of today's youth? Because what they say doesn't mean what they think it means. Oh, it means what they say it means. But that's not what that word means, right? It's happening every day. A new word that doesn't mean what that means, but it means that to them. And it's frustrating. It's aggravating. The false teachers are very much the same way. They use words. And when you have a, 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 a friend or a neighbor or a relative from one of the modern cults, in our country that I've already identified. And they begin to say, yes, but we follow Jesus too. You go, no, you don't. You don't follow Jesus as the Scripture states. And they go, yes, we do. See, and the problem is, is they're using their translation of the Scripture and it perverts who Christ is. It defines things according to their own teaching rather than the historical, orthodox, concrete teachings of Christianity. We've got to be aware of them. We've got to be ready to not just hear words, but to know what they mean by those words. Everyone who says, well, I believe in God is not a Christian. Everyone who says, I believe Jesus was a great man that we should follow, or I believe Jesus is the Savior, doesn't necessarily mean they are Christian. When someone is going to be baptized at Oasis Church, we've got a list of things that we walk through. The reason we do that is because it's important to make sure that just because you say, yes, I'm a Christian, I've never been baptized, and I'd like for you to baptize me, that's great words to say. Man, we're going in the right direction. But what do you mean by I'm a Christian? What does that mean to you? Because if we discover that being a Christian means that you're a follower of Jesus, who is an alien from the planet Zarthon, who came down, you know, you go, whoa, that's not somebody we need to baptize. And you say, well, that's silly. It is not silly. It's heartbreaking. But those kinds of things happen. We've got to make sure that we're meaning the same things by the same words. But there's something else in that. John MacArthur, the Bible teacher, says that false teachers typically arise when the church begins to embrace the worldly culture that it lives in. When we begin to embrace the philosophies and the theologies and the thinkings and the processes of the world in which we're living, then false teachers have to arise because you can't embrace it and not proclaim it. Whenever rethinking of biblical truth happens, whenever redefining of ancient doctrines begins to happen, whenever the updating of the teaching of the church, whenever progressing is happening, know that those are buzzwords for the very likely potential of false teaching. Be aware, watch, 
departure from, uh, from the essential, historical, Christian doctrinal truths to something more appealing because those truths, they just, they kind of offend me intellectually and emotionally is a departure from truth and it is leading in the direction of false teachers. False teachers hold as true things that are not. Watch your Bible. Here's what he says. They secretly bring in destructive heresies. Number two, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves quick destruction. The second way of identifying false teachers is that false teachers turn from Jesus either in word or action. Now let's talk about them turning from Jesus in word in Peter's day. The false teachers that were coming on the scene and, and preaching behind him or before him or wherever he was hearing what was being taught were actually twisting the gospel of Jesus crucified, risen in our place for our sin to be received by faith. They were twisting the gospel away from the person and work of Jesus. They were turning from the Jesus that is the point of the gospel. And they were beginning to embrace truth that sounded like that, but were actually putting weight on things other than that. We see this happen in the medieval times. As the church is beginning to em embrace uh, uh, the, the whole idea of the elevation of men and structures and those that were set aside as more holy than others. You know what's happening? They would never say they were turning from Jesus. But what they were doing was taking the authority of the word and work off of Jesus and placing it onto these men or these structures. Turning from him. Maybe not in word, but certainly in action. Today, this can be a theological drift away from Christ. Or it can be a drift away from his lordship. It can be a drift away from the focal person of it being about Jesus and about it being about something other than Him. You've been to other churches, many of you, and you've evaluated. You said, okay, I know they, they sing and they, it's, I, I know they, they're going through much, but Jesus doesn't seem all that important to them. There's some other things that seem really important to them. A program or a particular teacher or preacher or a, or a thing they do or a, an outreach thing that they always have and promote. And you go, I don't know, Jesus just doesn't seem to be the focus of that body. They might not be intending to do it, but what's happening is, is they're taking your attention off of Christ who is the most important. And placing it on something else. Whether you do it intentionally or you do it unintentionally, departure from Christ sets you up for judgment. He says those that are, and, and for Peter, it was those that were actually cutting Christ out of the message or attempting to do so. He says their destruction is swift. You go, well, I hadn't seen that happen yet. Look, just because it hadn't happened yet don't mean it's not coming. And when it comes, there's no stopping it. Because what God says He'll do, He always does. Just never on our timetable. 
Their destruction is certain. You depart from Christ, you got no other hope. There is nothing else to lean on. We got to be paying attention. Who are we proclaiming? The inner man, the inner good, the, 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 the goodness and happiness we're to spread in our workplace? Or are we talking about Jesus who brings life and hope and help and salvation to those who receive by faith? False teachers hold as true things that are not. False teachers turn from Jesus in word and or action. The last two are really easy. The last two... And many, verse 2, will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. False teachers, Peter says, live immoral lives. Now, they may be claiming or proclaiming true statements. Their theology might be spot on. They might be the teacher of teachers. But if their lives are immoral, and you have got to write them off, get them off your reading list, because where they're taking you is down the road of false teaching. This word sensuality, it carries the idea not of just immorality, but it has the idea of immoral excess. Like that word debauchery. In Peter's day, there were certainly some that were claiming a gospel of freedom. And in Paul's day, a gospel of freedom that would let us just do whatever we want to do. Where sin abounds, if grace much more abounds, well, let's just pile on the sin so there can be more grace. And what does Paul said? God forbid we do that. That ain't what grace is about at all. Grace is not about back up the dump truck of sin, let's have a party. Grace is about the opportunity that we have to stand right before God and live in freedom to serve Him because of who He is and then putting to practice those things that He has given us to live for Him. In our day, to the breaking of our heart, it happens right and left. Leaders in the church falling to sexual scandal. It's happening all over the place. I won't name the one that most broke my heart in the last year, year and a half. I'm telling you, his books have been very helpful to me, but then to find out the thing, it just goes, another, someone else, it just, it breaks your heart. Why? Because you know that the media is going to jump on that and do what? It's going it, it, to bring about blaspheming the truth. See, here's another one of these Christians that are talking about this new life in Christ thing. And look, they don't even have new life in Christ. And you're going, no, no, that's not the way it is. We're just broken. and Any one of us can fall. It's not that. It's not him. It's Christ. But you know what? They have the time slots on the news and on the social media. Sexual affairs porn, abuse, drugs, and alcohol is rampant within the church and her leaders. Can I, can I just tell you something? Please don't ever for one half of a second believe the lie 
that this guy standing before you is incapable of any of those things. That, that is a lie. You'll fool yourself, and it's, it's, it's a problem that you're elevating me higher than somebody because just as a man, I am fully capable of every one of those. But we got to avoid it. And you know how we avoid it? When we put to practice those things that are, that are given to us by God. What does he say? As you're walking in these attributes, what will you not do? You won't fall. You won't fall into these major sin holes. Why? Because you're following out Christ with the things that he's given you to follow him and to be faithful and effective. But when we forget that, we fall into this sin. Guess what? Those that stand and proclaim a solid message with all that sin in their life are dubbed false teachers and must be removed, unqualified, broken beyond repair. Praise God, no. Forgiveness that was available to Peter who denied Christ is available to all of them, but the fallout is the same. Watch and listen. Immoral lives dictate false teachers. And then the last one. Again, a simple one. Verse number three. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. False teachers hold as true things that are not. False teachers turn from Jesus in word and or action. False teachers live immoral lives. And false teachers are motivated by greed. Covetousness is at the core of what drives them. Wanting more money, more power, more control, more fame, more followers, more, more, more about me. It doesn't matter how great your message is. Your teaching is false because the heart is corrupt. They have no problem, these false teachers don't, manipulating their followers in order to fulfill their own lusts. Even when a, a pastor or a teacher has to be removed, even if it's not a sensual scandal, but when they have to be removed because they've become a bully in the organization, it's all about them and you step to their beat or you get berated, it's equally as heinous and it brings an equal amount of disdain on the gospel. Greed. Like those who turn from Christ, Peter says their condemnation from long ago, because this whole greed thing, it's not Johnny come lately. It's, it's got ancient roots back to the garden where she said, you know, it looks good to eat. I do think it would make me wise. Hey, honey, should we try it? He goes, let's go. What were they doing? They were seeking after their own self-fulfillment. Their condemnation, these false teachers, yeah, it's from long ago, but it's not idle. And their destruction is not asleep. False teachers are motivated by greed. Do, do, you, do you hear me? It, it, this, is not, this is not surprising to you, is it? It's not. 
So what are we talking about it for? Because we're all around it and, and, and we're inundated by it. We've got to be able to identify it in order to avoid it. Now, y'all know, those of you who have been around here long enough, y'all know that Chuck Swindoll is my favorite preacher. Love him. Love reading his books. I've been listening to that man thanks to my mother since I was six, seven, eight years old on the radio. When I read his books, when I read his articles, I hear his voice. He's got to be in his late 80s, and I know that he's not going to be with us forever, but I love Pastor Swindoll. In fact, he's, he's kind of the draw that took me to Dallas Seminary because I thought if they teach him how to do that, maybe they teach me how to do something. So that's why I went. I'm reading Swindoll's commentary, as I most often do when I'm studying one of the books that he's written on. And, 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 and I glean from him, and I have half a dozen others that I glean from. Y'all know what I, what I share with you is not original to me. I'm just repacking it from folks that are smarter than I am. But from time to time, I come across a nugget that I just have to not plagiarize because I'm giving him credit for, but I just have to use. When I'm reading his thoughts on these few verses and his application, I said, you know what, there's no way I could get any better than that. I can't find it. Here's, here's Chuck Swindoll's three steps. Now that we know what false teachers look and do and sound like, here's three steps for avoiding them and the error that they're peddling. And they're simple with him. They always are. They are. Stop, look, listen. Now, I know some of you just went straight Elvis right there. Rubbernecking and you're thinking my boys are into Elvis right now. No, no, don't, don't. T turn that off in your brain. Stop. If we're going to avoid false teachers and their false teachings, it's going to lead us astray. It's not going to help us. We've got to recognize it. Just because they've come on the scene... And just because their book is for sale or their podcast is number one on iTunes under the religion umbrella, or just because everybody's talking about them or their social media pages are blowing up, just because they're the most popular doesn't mean that what they're saying is accurate. So here's what every follower of Jesus needs to do. When the teacher comes along, we've just got to slow down. We've got to stop and investigate. Even if mama thinks he's the greatest. Even if my former pastor thinks that, oh, this, this guy's just right. Okay, cool. That's helpful. But you know what? Every one of us is capable of being deceived. We got to stop. We got to put our biblical lens on. We got to turn up the volume of the Holy Spirit in our ears. And we've got to investigate on our own. Once we've stopped... Once we're, once, once we're slowed down enough to be able to evaluate, then we got to look. How many of those that have fallen in grand fashion look the part? How many of them had had history of just being, oh man, they're just, they're the greatest. Why can't that guy be my pastor? Because he's awesome. And, and they look and sound wonderful, but then they crash. Apart from the way things look, as much as you can, look to see their lifestyle. Look, look to see how things are really, if you're able. Pay attention to what's being said about things they've been caught outside of church. Think about those things. And just 
be open to the fact that just because it looks great doesn't mean it is great. Stop. Look, is what they're saying matching what they're doing? If it's not, then it could be a false teacher. It may just be somebody that needs some encouragement. It very well might be a false teacher. Pay attention. We're going to stop. We're going to slow down. We're going to investigate. We're going to look at their life, and then we're going to listen to what they say. And here's where it's okay to be critical. Now, a lot of times we say, well, don't be so critical. When it comes to evaluating truth, critical is a great word to use. It's a great place to be where you're going to look critically at something in order to, to decide whether or not I'm going to eat my chicken today with or without NyQuil. Y'all not been watching the social media. The, the Tide Pods are gone, y'all. Folks are eating NyQuil chicken and getting sick by it. A critical brain would say, you know what? Just because it's on the internet don't mean I need to try it. Just because somebody says it's good doesn't mean it is. I need to think appropriately critical. When, when you're evaluating teachers, when you're evaluating teachings, always listen with critical ears. You, you know where I want Oasis Church people listening with critical ears? Right here. You know why? Because every now and then, I might be trying to be a little cute and a little funny, and I might say something that was just not true. And you know what? I need to know that. I need to hear that because I need to be able to investigate. Hey, you know what? That's right. I did say that, and that wasn't right. And I need to come back and tell y'all that because it's my responsibility to uh, be able to hold on to what I teach and, and make sure that you're going in the right direction. I want you listening with critical ears here. I want you listening to me every week going, okay, but... But really? And then go home and do your research. And I want you to come back and go, well, now you said this, but I found, and you you don't really want us to do it. Yeah, I do. You know, it's all it's going to do is sharpen me. It ain't going to make me mad at you. I, hey, that's what we need. We need to make sure that truth is being presented. The enemy church is active and seeking to deceive us if we'll let him. We've got to take action. We've got to be strong. And we've got to hold the truth. Stop, look, listen, evaluate, and then call false what's false. Not in an ugly way, but in a Christ-honoring way. And then combat that with truth for His glory. They're out there. Let's avoid them. Let's pursue truth. Let's stand together, if you will. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe it is that you are here and you've never trusted Jesus. Can I just tell you? There are no other options. I know that sounds very intolerant. That sounds very exclusive because it is exclusive. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the way to the Father. There are no other ways. I am the truth. All other truths must pass through me, and I am the life. If you are going to have life eternal, apart from destruction, it's going to be through me. And my work on the cross, in your place, for your sin, 
crucified, buried, and raised victorious over my sin and yours. It can be received by faith and faith alone. If you've never trusted Jesus, it can be received right now. Right there in your heart. It would sound a little something like, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I'm incapable of saving myself, but I believe I need forgiveness. I believe I need salvation. I believe I need redemption because I'm broken. I believe Jesus died for that very purpose and rose again to secure my forgiveness and justification. God, right now, as best I know how, I'm placing all my faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. I want to follow him. I want him to be my master and Lord. I want to serve you to the best of my ability. Help me, help me know what that even looks like. If that's you, and you mean it, then on the authority of God's word, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'd sure love to know if that's true for you before you leave because we'd like to pray with you, help you in your first steps of walking that out. Christian, we got to maintain truth. We got to hold to it. We got to recognize when it's not too much at stake. It's up to all of us. I pray that that'll be our desire as we leave from here today. Father, we thank you for the day and the opportunity we have to come and worship and be together as brothers and sisters. I pray first for that one who's wrestling with whether or not to receive Jesus. May draw their heart to, to yourself. Bring them into the family by faith. Let us walk with them, Lord, if, if, if that's possible. God, I pray that you'll help us to think about those teachers that we are following. Those folks that we're reading behind. Those folks that we're excited about. God, help us to be willing to evaluate even them. To see if what they say is true. And to recognize that even if what they're saying is true, every now and then, they're probably going to come off with something that's not. Help us be willing to admit that. Be aware of that. Be looking to recognize that so that we can stand against error. I pray that you'll help these Christians that live in families that may have uh, aspects of their family that are following error. Help them to know how to appropriately and lovingly speak truth into that error. I pray that you will help us to hold fast those things that you have said and be unwavering, regardless of pressures from family, friends, from governments, from anything that might arise that would, that would call us to go contrary to your truth, maybe we'd be willing to stand with you come what may. God, we thank you for this privilege that we have of worshiping today. We ask that you will order our steps as we leave from here. Prepare us for those things that are in store. Give us the courage to use that that you've given us to live this life effectively and faithfully. Bring us back when it's time. We love you. We trust you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.